Blog Talk Radio. All right, guys. Here we go. Good morning, Armor Insiders. Good morning, Armor Report followers. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Brett Rosenthal. We're going to dive into a couple topics and then get to your questions. So do things a bit different today than on other Saturdays. We're going to talk about the similarities between Kathy Wood, Dan Ahern, the guys over at VanEck. What's happening at the ARC funds, at advisor shares, at VanEck? When they put out for us the ARC funds, GDX, and MSOS, and what is similar about all of them right now and why am I putting money there? I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to share with you a hack for trading VIX that we're using on our trading desk every day. The hack is, I think, interesting. I'm going to share it with you. It makes some money. But it sheds bigger light on a very important topic for every trader, every investor, something that you have to do no matter what strategy you're following. I'm going to share that with you, and then we'll get to Q&A. All right, so let's dive in. What are the similarities between ARC, MSOS, and GDX? Now, by the way, the cynicism, all right? I can already hear the comments. And by the way, add your comments right down here to this conversation. Get yourself ready for the Q&A session. So fill out as we go what your thoughts are, and then I'll go back and I'll answer all those questions, all right? But for the moment, Get rid of the vitriol. Vitriol doesn't make you money. Sarcasm doesn't make you money. What happened yesterday doesn't make you money. The past is prologue to the future we're going to write. So obviously the similarities between ARC and MSOS and GDX. And when I say GDX, I'm talking about all the precious metal space. When I say MSOS, I'm talking about all the cannabis space. Okay, when I say ARK, A-R-K-K, I'm talking about the innovative stocks. They're all down huge over the last 18 months, right? 75% plus whatever the number is, okay? They've been left for dead. Okay? You've heard me even talk about over the past couple of months how in kind of a sarcastic, snarky, vitriolic way how ridiculous Kathy is. You've heard me say it. Okay? I'm moving on and I want to make money. I don't care about sounding clever on Twitter, which a lot of people apparently care about doing. All I want to do is make money. So why am I buying these three right now? This is what I would like to convey here and ask you to understand and think about before you, you um, I don't know, succumb to the vitriolic giggle, okay? The ARC funds 
and advisor shares and VanEck. These are asset gatherers who create an asset for us to invest in and trade. It is not their job to tell you not to buy their asset, right? So anybody out there complaining how stupid Kathy is because she's lost so much money in the last 18 months, hey, man, hey, take some responsibility for your own portfolio and your own actions. It's not her job to tell you when to buy innovation. Her job is if you want innovation, she's done research for you to give you a leg up. That's her job. Her job is not to get short innovation. Her job is not to put that portfolio into 100% cash because innovation is going down. That's not her job. That's your job. That's my job. That's the job of the Armour Report. That's what we do on the live trading desk all day. Figure out where we want to allocate resources for our investing portfolio. That's our job. So we call it a virtual hedge fund. We all come together and we work on it together, figure out how we want to allocate capital. That's not Kathy's job. Her job is to put together a portfolio of innovative stocks. I think she's done a fantastic job. Go look inside the portfolio. There's a lot of quality names in there coming out of huge bases that have been basing for over six months. I'll show you what I mean. We're going to get to this picture of the S&P a little bit later. Okay. There's a bottom formed in ARC going back to May. That's a clear double bottom. And if you dive into what she owns, other than, of course, Tesla, which is, I think, the largest position, go take a look at what's in there. You're going to find a lot of interesting companies. You're going to find a lot of biotech companies. They're innovative stocks. And if you want a piece of innovation without having to do all the research yourself, she's offering a great product. Right now, you know me. I, I'm not a big fan of Kathy. Okay, but I felt this is an important conversation for all of us today. What's past is prologue to the investing future we're writing now. I don't care those stocks are down huge over the last 18 months. In fact, I do, right? Because the snapback rally off of that selling is going to be enormous, and we're going to make a lot of money on it if we invest correctly, right? Let's go over to cannabis. Now, you can't, I mean, I kind of, I say that I'm on Twitter and I see things and people are just, you know, uh, rude and obnoxious and, and you know not not really interested in helping you invest. They just want to try to get somebody to watch them or whatever. So it doesn't really matter what what people say, but it does highlight to me the amount of vitriol that Dan and Todd are getting. It is ridiculous to me. It it, it is so infantile. Okay, it's not their job to tell you not to buy cannabis. It's their job to keep you informed about what's happening in cannabis, and it's your job and my job to, to decide if we want to take an investment position. They've created a product that's valuable. We decide when to put the capital to work. That's what the Armour Report does, when to put the money to work. Take a look at the chart of MSOS. Okay. Now, this... So putting it in a base going back to this is July. 
Now we know, and I'm not going to spend too much time on the cannabis couch today, we know a lot of that has to do with politics. So that's a dangerous time to invest. All the money, I mean, the, in, the large majority of the money going to be made in cannabis, you ready for this? Write it down. Come talk to me later. I'm happy to stand up for this comment. The majority of money that's going to be made in cannabis will be made after the politicians reclassify cannabis. It will be made after cannabis gets declassified or whatever the story is. It will be made after the Safe Banking Act is passed. The majority, I mean like probably 95% of the gains. You see, because day one, the stocks might double day one. On their way to being up, I don't know, how many hundreds of percent over the next three to five years. You see what I'm saying? So that one little pop won't matter. So if you wanted to stay out of this and wait for that pop and put money to work, hey, man, there's nothing wrong with that. I like to get a little bit of capital to work when I see a base after an 80% collapse in the group. And I like to put the money to work as close to the stop as possible. Hey, it goes below recent lows. I take it out. I wait for the next opportunity. This is not an emotional decision. If you're making emotional decisions, you have to look yourself in the mirror and start over. This is reward to risk when probabilities are at their highest. The administration comes out and says, we want to reclassify this. I say, okay, probabilities just recalculated, and I want to put some capital to work here. But to get back to my discussion, Advisor Shares has put out some quality products for us to use if we decide we want access to cannabis, right? Now, let's shift over to VanEck or whomever you want to use, Sprott, Sprott Physical Gold or any of these things, okay? Why am I buying gold and silver down here? Probably crazy, but there's nothing. There's no reason to buy gold. Look at that. It looks terrible, right? Silver. Well, that looks a lot better. That looks a lot better. Here's another example of a beat-up sector that's been bottoming since June. Right? GBX looks terrible. Why would, why would I buy it? Well, maybe there's a bottom forming in here. That's not the point of this discussion right now. Right? It's our job to figure out how to allocate assets. Now, I'm buying gold and silver down here, and I'm buying some of the gold and silver stocks because I'm doing this. You know, I ran hedge funds for about a decade, been running money for over 30 years, but always had a, 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 an interest in precious metals. And I can tell you for a fact that when I make a lot of money in precious metals, it's because I buy them when nobody wants to own them, when they're down big, when I'm buying close to the stop, when the probabilities shift in my favor and the reward's worth the risk. I put capital to work. That's what's happening right now in the space. When they blow out to the upside, I won't be chasing. Nobody at the arm report will be buying these stocks when they're running. will already be in. So to wrap up this thought, and what I want to do is move on to VIX, because this is, a, I think, a wonderful hack on how to trade VIX every day, but it really highlights something very important for every 
trader. I don't care what your strategy is. I'm going to share with you a thought that I'd like you to think about all weekend, and it'll make you a better trader next week. I guarantee that. I guarantee it. Okay? So we're going to get to that in a minute. But to wrap up my thought, the Armour Report, the work I do, what I share with Armour Insiders on the desk all day, is to get us on the right side of probability when reward is worth risk. What that means is we use algorithms that are proprietary to show us when the window is open. They're probability algorithms, right? So statistically speaking, they're going to they're lose money sometimes. That's what happens, right? So it's just a statistic. We're, we're at a location here on ARC and cannabis and precious metals. They're all showing the same algorithmic entry point. I'm going to put money to work. I'm sure one of those names isn't going to work. It'll hit the stop. I'll have to go to cash. But a couple probably will. And we can make a lot of money on that move. So I put capital to work when I think I can make a lot of money on a move. When reward's worth the risk, right? The risk is tight because we're going to share the stop on our trading desk as it's happening. But if the breakout comes from here, I think the reward's significant. Okay? So that's why we're there. I just wanted to end with the, with the understanding that what they're doing at these investment firms, creating these ETFs for us, is to give us a vehicle to express our investing opinion. Remember that when, whenever you're investing. You're the steward of your own capital. All right, let's move on. VIX. And I'm going to talk about VIXY, but this, this is true for any VIX product, okay? I'm going to just make this real brief, and then we'll get to your Q&A. This is a VIX hack, okay? Here's a VIX hack. VIX hack, what it reveals about trading. Take a look at VIX. You'll see it was down almost every day. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it was down every single day last week. You ready for this? We made money long VIX on our trading desk this week. We didn't short it. We just went long. We made money. We didn't make a lot of money because look, <laughs> it went straight down, right? But we made money. So this is what I want to tell you. This is the hack I want to share with you. This is the hack I want to share with you. This is very important. Whenever I put capital to work, I don't care what the strategy is. I'm going to share with you a VIX strategy, but I don't care what the strategy is. And it may help you to write down what your strategy is as a trader and an investor. Write down what you're doing. Okay? Why are you putting the position in your portfolio? I put VIX in my portfolio to hedge overnight insanity. Okay, we could debate why VIX goes up and down and whether or not it'll skyrocket in the Q&A session if you want. But for this conversation, I only buy VIX at the end of every day. So from 3 to 4 o'clock, I accumulate my VIX position. And I hold it overnight in case while I'm sleeping some insanity occurs around the world. And my portfolio of equities gets destroyed. I need a hedge. 
against insanity. I wake up every morning, and between 8.30 and 9.30, I take the hedge off. And it just so happens, even in a week, take a look at the chart again. I keep pointing to it. There it is. Even in a week where VIX went straight down, buying VIX in the last hour of the day and selling it before the market opened made a small profit for me. I made money. Now, I'm not trying to make money on that trade. That trade is simply there. So I write down, i got a trading, trading journal right here, right? Okay? I do this for a lot, of, a lot of my trades. I write down what am I trying to accomplish. So the hack is to accumulate VIX at the end of the day and sell it before the market opens. That's the hack that's making me some money. And I imagine it'll make me a lot of money if VIX isn't going straight down. I mean, it went down every day last week. And I still got it. I came out ahead. So I can imagine that's going to make me some money, buying in the last hour, selling it before the market opens. But the reason I'm doing it, so I write down in my notes, I'm doing it to hedge insanity overnight. Therefore, when I wake up in the morning between 8.30 and 9.30, I'm taking the trade off. Now, you could say to me, well, how can I do that? What if the market craters in the morning and VIX skyrockets? You won't have it. And I say, right, I won't have it. You know why? Because that's not the reason. That's not the reason I own it. Okay? And so what you want to avoid in any strategy is mission creep. Military veterans know what I'm talking about, right? It's mission creep that you've got to avoid. I don't own VIX because I'm hoping to make money as the market crashes. That's not what I do, right? I own VIX so that I can sleep at night in case something horrific happens that nobody sees coming, which, by the way, is the only reason VIX is ever going to spike, okay? So if the market keeps going down based on a bear market, you know, Fed raises rates, blah, 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 VIX is not going anywhere. What, what's going to make VIX double is going to be some horrific event that happens that we don't know, and I'm going to need protection for the portfolio I've got. So that's the strategy. That's what I execute. I'm out of my VIX trade by 9.30, and guess what? The market starts going down after 9.30. I'll go short the market. I'll make more money shorting indexes or whatever I wish to do to express my short position to hedge. I'll make more money doing that than I will ever owning VIX on a day where, where there's a normal news cycle, right? Um, obviously, if something horrific happens, that changes the picture, right? But I'm going to short intraday to hedge, and I'm going to hold VIX overnight. And what I wanted to share with you right now, and we'll get to the Q&A, but what I wanted to share with you is that you don't want mission creep in your trading strategy. Figure out why you're doing something, stick with it, and accept whatever profit you have. Don't come in in the morning and think, oh, well, the market looks like it's going down. Maybe I'll hold the VIX. Yeah, you'll hold the VIX and start losing money. Okay? So that's my thought for you guys this morning. Now let's get to the uh, Q&A. Happy to chat about anything you guys want to chat about. Trying to make this um, a bit of a 
different show today and, and try to do this every Saturday where we get to your questions first. And I've got questions that have come in through DM and I've got, you know, questions um, um, through Twitter DMs and stuff. So um, we're going to go to your Q&A in the comment section. Anything you guys want to talk about, let me know. And if not, I'll, I'll take it from there. So um, waiting for you guys to Great, you guys have nothing to ask me today. Wonderful. Um, obviously, you guys will fill that up. In the meantime, let me go after a question that I've received um, this morning that I thought was really interesting. I had a, um, I had a guy ask me, and this was through stock twits. He thinks that silver... Uh, isn't going anywhere, and he thinks that my discussions on silver, that I think there's a great base coming here, is completely inaccurate. Um, and the question he, I guess he posed was, you know, why would I, why would I buy an asset down here when there's no proof that the asset is starting to go up? And so I guess I touched on this a little bit, and I'll just say it again for the sake in case he's on this call or listening later we use algorithms to execute the armor report so we have s p algos we have precious metal algos all right and so our silver algos telling us the probabilities are right and we're taking a position as close to the stop as possible so hey if i'm wrong i'm going to take a loss on it i know clearly i think we're all aware of this probability algorithm. Sometimes probabilities work, sometimes they don't. Even if you're right seven out of ten times, you're going to lose money three times. Okay. Step aside. Buy close to the stop. The object of what we're all trying to do here is take investment positions close to the stop. When you're right, you make a lot of money. When you're wrong, you take it out quick and you move on. Right? So I don't want to debate the argument of whether or not there's fundamental reasons to own silver. I personally think there are. Other people think there aren't. That's great. That's what makes the market. So what I want to do is use an algorithm to execute and use stops to protect, and then I step away. Okay? Um, another question that I thought was pretty interesting. We had a lot of discussions, obviously, on the desk about this chart right here which is the S&P. Chad, I see your, your question on um, crypto. We'll get to that in a minute. So here's the S&P. And obviously, I, I'm getting questions about um, what our positioning is on the market. So let's go over that real quick. The risk monitor for the Armour Report is green. You can see back here on the chart, we're looking at the S&P now, okay? There's three green signals all tight together, the most recent being right here, okay? So that green bar right there told us the risk monitor went green, and the market had an unbelievably wonderful week. The first week of the risk monitor green signal is usually the most dangerous. So Monday morning, we talked on the desk, hey, we're not going to chase it. We got our positions on. Tuesday, the market gapped up. We're going to let it go. We're not going to chase it. We're going to try to buy weakness. We had a couple days of weakness in there that were a little touchy. 
we got seriously aggressive yesterday morning. I mean seriously aggressive, fully invested by, what was it, 10.18 in the morning, and the market ripped to the close. We had a nice big day right there, and we're fully invested, totally ready for this market rally. So the risk monitor is green. The Armor Index-only portfolio owns all eight now index ETFs. We added treasuries to that. So we own TLT along with S&P, NASDAQ, Dow, small caps, momentum value, and the IBD 50. So the first thing we do, and take a look at just to see how we share this information with Armor Insiders, when this goes green right in here, we share with everybody, okay, the index-only portfolio went from 100% cash to 100% long right there. Okay? So that position is just on right now, and we're going to follow the market up, we're going to make money, and we're going to raise stops, and we're going to book profits at targets. All right? Our SPY-only algo, we put 100% of our capital into SPXL, which is triple the S&P. Obviously, that had a great week. And our actively managed model portfolio, where we hedge intraday, we day trade, we do all different types of things, is also fully invested by about, about 1018. And I'll share with you just a quick chart of, of why right in here. And we'll go, let's take a look at the um, day trading strategies. So here's our day trading charts. We use um, the S&P the NASDAQ, small caps, and this is the VIX position over here. All right. So what we did at 10.18, okay, so the market ran up. So first of all, the S&P we bought literally right at the open. We took a big position at the open, and it ran up all day. So in the first three minutes, we got aggressively long the S&P. Whatever we didn't have on already in our actively managed portfolio, we added right there, and we just had a huge day. We added the cues right here. So there was a shakeout here and a reversal. We got long the cues on those yellow bars, and we held it right through the end of the day. And the same thing is here with small caps. We put that position on right around there. Those yellow trigger bars got us long. Actually, no, no, I'm sorry about that. The double bottom right down here is what we bought. And so we captured literally the low in small caps. It may interest you to know we put on a short position in small caps right here, and within three minutes, six minutes, I think it was, we reversed the short and got long and carried it right to the close. All right, so we had a real big day yesterday. But I want to I want to share this um, this right here is our Slack room where we share all of our information with Armor Insiders, and I put this this Slack uh, message out. I messaged everybody at 8:36 p.m. On Thursday night. Now, you may recall Thursday night was not an easy night, right? We had the Amazon disaster the day before that, you know, Microsoft and, and, and Facebook disasters, right? Market looked like it was going to be down big. I shared this message with everybody in the Slack room, and then I subsequently shared it on Twitter. So you can follow me at Brett Rosenthal on Twitter. And what I said to you was 8.36 at night. I took a picture of the ocean because I was walking the beach. And what I said to you guys then was, 
This market is very easy to understand. Turn off all of the noise, all of the fear, all of the concerns, and just look at what the market's telling you from a price point of view. I don't know what's going to happen next week with the Fed. Who knows? Who knows what the Fed's going to say, right? We'll have to read and react to that news. But it won't surprise me. It won't surprise me if the Fed pauses, pivots, says what everybody expects, but damps down the hawkish comments. I think that will lead to a continued rally right to the end of the year. It won't be the first time that the market rallied into the end of the year. It's, it's something that happens often. But what you want to look at right here, and what I wrote in that tweet, is that when you're walking the beach and not you know, immersed in your trading room, it becomes very obvious. This was the buy signal day. As long as the S&P, we're looking at SPY now, as long as the S&P stays above the, high, the low of that day, we're in an uptrend. That's it. The rest is noise. The rest is volatility. We're in an uptrend. I said this was right here on this bar right here before the big up bar. I said, guys, as long as the market doesn't take out the low of Monday, we're in a serious rally. Okay? If it takes out the low of Monday, maybe we're in trouble. I might cut positions down. And if it takes out the low of last Friday, I'll cut positions out completely, and the risk monitor will go red. But if we have a strong close to the week, and I said this to you at 8.30 on Thursday night, if we have a strong close on Friday, you're going to want to be as bullish as you can be. You're going to want your max investing position because the reward from here is worth the risk and the probabilities are overwhelmingly in our favor. That's when you put money to work and everything else is noise. Let's get to some questions. I see Chad's asking about Dogecoin. Um, up 50% along with the rest of the group. 56% crypto now. Does that mean a strong market? <coughs> um, that's an interesting question. Now, we do have a Bitcoin in our portfolio at the Armour Report, which may be a surprise to a lot of you because I generally have avoided Bitcoin all the way up and crypto's all the way up and crypto's all the way down, right? So you, you know where I am on crypto. But we took a position in Bitcoin. And Chad does make and ask the question about the ARK funds. Notice that crypto and ARK almost have the same pattern. The bottom started in June. That's a clear double bottom. That's a breaking of the down. Right now I'm using BITO as the example, but obviously you know you can use any, any crypto Bitcoin currency you want to look at, but I'm using the ETF BITO as an example. We've broken the downtrend. It's a clear double bottom going back to June. And then take a look at, remember that, burn that into your brain and look at ARC. It's the same pattern. These are the patterns that dreams are made of. Those are the patterns that dreams are made of as an investor. Dreams because the reward from here is enormous and the risk is minimal. I mean, it takes out the double bottom, you're out. You had a bad week and you go back to cash. Okay. But if that double bottom breaks out on Bitcoin, and yes, the answer is yes to that. Bitcoin is, and cryptocurrencies in general, uh, Chad, are innovation. 
So it's not surprising to see Bitcoin and art go up together. It's, it's the money coming back into innovation. Now, I'm not a big buyer of cryptocurrency. I'd rather buy innovative companies. That's just the way I am. Maybe I'm old school, whatever. But I'd rather own companies um, that I believe you know, you know, are, are driving innovation. But I do own Bitcoin. And I understand if somebody wants to be very aggressive and go out there and own a basket of cryptocurrencies, you know, my, my guess is now would be the right time to do that. Okay. But let me just be very clear. I personally don't want that risk in my portfolio. So the only thing I'm willing to take is Bitcoin. Okay. Um, what's the next uh, uh, question we got here? Ares is asking about uh, PACAR. Well, I'll tell you what, Ares. I'll tell you what. If we look at... So PACAR is an industrial, right? And if we look at the Dow, here's the Dow right here. Look at the Dow. It's wildly outperforming the rest of the market right now. I think Dow's down only 9% for the year. NASDAQ is down 29%. S&P is down something like 18 to 20%. I don't know exactly the number right now. Dow's only down 9%. Industrials have skyrocketed. Now, I, I think that uh, compared to the Dow to the NASDAQ 100, for instance, I mean, it, it hasn't even broken out yet, Right. So to focus your investing on industrials, I'm not sure that's a bad idea. I mean, they've already popped. So if you could, the, the Dow itself, if that, if that is uh, um, uh, illustrative of industrials, it may not be. But let's look at like, you know, Caterpillar, blew out with earnings. Or um, Deer, you know, look, looking pretty good. Deer's trying to come out. It hasn't really blown out yet. And then you put Packer which I do, I do like, you know, Packers coming out of the base. How about our old friend, um, Aaron, how about MGA? I mean, anybody who likes the EV story has got to like MGA. They make the drivetrains and all those cars. Stock hasn't even moved yet. I feel like we should get on the uh, conference call at MGA next week and try to figure out what's cooking here because it hasn't even moved yet. Uh, Chad's asking, am I bullish on... Um, Semiconductors, you, you know, I'm really not. I'm not bullish on semi. Um, they're just wildly underperforming. But I would argue that what I haven't talked about today is uh, biotech. I'm very bullish on biotech. What has been working in this market are big cap pharmaceuticals. And I think money is flowing into the medical space. And I love the breakout going on on biotech, which, again, is innovative. Right? Nobody buys biotech stocks for their earnings. Most of these companies are losing money and burning cash. It's about innovation in medical, right? That's what it is. So crypto, ARC, biotech, money's flowing back into innovation. But uh, Ares, that's an interesting looking chart. And I think we should, you know, um, definitely do some work on, you know, on the, on the um, industrials. I'll tell you, you know, every day, on the, on the, in the virtual hedge fund, what we do is we go over our market smith, 
um, which is William O'Neill. And, and so right down here are all of our um, um, lists, okay? William O'Neill lists. And we go through a whole bunch of the lists. 48 items right now on the near pivot list. Um, 70 plus items on the uh, recent breakout list. So when I see risk monitor green, when we see the IVD went green also last week, so their, their opinion of the market, which is a breakout, a, a reversal day and a follow-through day has happened. The next step is to see if individual stocks are breaking out of sound basis. We've been looking at this all year. We're seeing a massive amount of breakouts in quality companies. That's another piece to the puzzle that tells me the risk on entry point, the risk monitor green the last week, is real. Now, can it be disrupted by the Fed next week? It, it could. But I think what's going to happen instead is, is a continuation of this rally because the Fed's going to say things that are not unexpected. That's what I think. I'm not even betting that the Fed's going to get dovish or, or, or you know, um, pivot. I'm not even saying that. I just think they're going to say what they've been saying and nobody cares anymore because we're close enough to wherever that pivot is and money's getting put to work. That's what's happening. Okay. Um, yeah, auto parts are blowing out. Auto, there's all kinds of blowouts. I mean, just to give you a couple of chart patterns, like we finally see the defense stocks blowing out. They couldn't go up in a bear market. They're blowing out now. That's because the risk is changing in the market. People are putting money to work. You know, what's uh, – um, I don't know if that's the right symbol. No. I'm trying to think of O'Reilly, but um, – What's uh, auto, a, AZO, AutoZone, right? AutoZone's blowing out. I mean, these things are, um, how about Chubb? I mean, I could go on all day. But here comes the insurance companies again. So uh, anyway, good, uh, good points there, um, Chad. Andrew, you're 120, 100. <laughs> alone. Shaved off 10% for the hedging purposes. Good for you, Andrew. Good for you. Hey, man, look. At the risk monitor, we're all, risk monitor, at the armor report, we're all about managing risk first, capturing upside second. You, we can get so focused on managing risk that you can, you can miss the upside capture moments. I mean, you can get so afraid of the market and you can get so fall in love with cash and, and protecting capital all year. You know, and, and even if you're down some this year, but you're down less than the market, you're losing some money, but you're not losing much of the market, and you're, you're, you can get so afraid to put money to work that you miss the move. And that doesn't work either. So there are times to put capital to work. And what I'm saying right now on this call and what I was saying all week to you guys is now is the time. You know, and it never feels right. There's all kinds of horrible stories out there. You'll never understand. The human brain won't understand the turn in the market until a month later when the market's up huge. And then you'll see all the reasons why that you couldn't see at the moment. That's just the way the market is. So we use algorithms to execute, stops to protect. That's it. And then, we, then you walk away. The rest is noise. Okay? That's good day in a long time, I know. All right. Uh, thoughts on SMG. Looks like... Long-term support. That's, um, Jared, it's not a bad idea. Let's take a look at SMG. 
Oh, boy, that looks brutal, doesn't it? All right. So, Jared, for me, there's not the um, the bottom has not formed in SMG like it has, for instance, in MSOS, right? So you look at MSOS, you say, well, here's a low, here's a low in um, July, and then we we undercut that low and immediately recovered, right? That we recovered on that that story from the Biden administration. Okay, and so if we think that story is real, then we've got a position on here. But SMG hasn't really stopped the knife fall. So I don't know exactly what I would do with that uh, asset right here. You know, cannabis stocks are difficult right now because, number one, we're kind of trading on politicians. And so who knows what's going to come out of left field. In fact, there was a story um, I was reading this morning uh, about New York and how they're totally screwing up the MSO um, structure because I think they've said something in their guidelines about how you can't run a retail shop in New York if you have uh, – I'm, I'm going to totally slaughter what they really said. I don't, I don't know exactly what, what the real um, comment was, but something about how you can't touch cannabis in any other state if you're going to do business in their state. What? So that makes things like the Cresco, you know, uh, a Columbia deal, it throws that into question. Now what do you do, right? Cresco took over Columbia because they wanted access to that market. Now they can't sell in that market because Cresco has businesses all around the country. So what happens next, you know? Um, first of all, I'd say everybody take a deep breath. Don't panic about it because these are guidelines and they change constantly and clearly somebody hasn't been paid off or somebody else has been. <laughs> Who knows, right? So by the time this whole thing shakes out, the whole point might be moot, okay? And I'm sure there'll be workarounds. I'm sure there'll be different ways to do it. Um, you know, people are questioning whether or not Florida. <coughs> Excuse me, everybody. I tried to save you that sneeze. I hope I did. Um People are questioning whether or not, oh, Florida's not going to allow Green Thumb to do that deal with Circle K. Look, you guys are missing the point. Those of you who are questioning, I, I, I respectfully suggest you're missing the point. There's movement on the front. This also goes to the conversation about uh, um, canopy growth. That was a huge story. Canopy growth is going to become a USMSO is what they're doing, right, with that structure. And then people got all upset because – you know, the NASDAQ came out and said, we haven't agreed on that. We don't think that's right, and blah, blah, blah. What the bigger picture is, there's movement. The, this is three-dimensional chess. Canopy Growth is saying, by the time all of these things are put in place, there's going to be a reclassification in the United States of America, in which case it won't matter what the NASDAQ thinks because it will no longer be an illegal drug on the federal level, in which case everybody's going to be uplisted to the NASDAQ. So it won't matter. And so Canopy Growth is going to go ahead with their plan, which I don't think will be completely executed until the back half of next year. So, yes, if we get to the back half of next year and there's been no reclassification and it's still Schedule S-1, maybe Canopy has a problem. But if we believe what the Biden administration is trying to do, boy, I can't believe that sentence just came out of my mouth. But if we believe that, then you have to have some money down here in cannabis. That's my opinion. Um, 
I'm not a buyer of canopy growth right here. I'm not. I'd rather own my favorite five MSOs in the U.S. That's how I want to play it. But, I mean, I can understand why somebody wants canopy growth, too. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Chad puts out there, take a look at uh, STZ. I'm with you on that, Chad. Uh, STZ is a great way to play, um, in a more conservative way, the, the cannabis space. You know, because one day it gets legalized and, and all that. This is just a this is constellation brands, right? So they're not reflecting any cannabis in how this stock is trading. So if we ever get these schedules and, and constellations ahead of the pack, ready to roll with product, this stock should giddy up. So I, I like that idea. Um, Oh, yeah, nothing wrong with that, uh, Andrew. Todd, do, do you like any gold miners? Um, let me um, explain to you, if I may. There's GDX. So the, the short answer to your question is I like gold and silver mining ETFs at this stage. So I own GDX and I own SILJ. Okay, here's SILJ. Okay. It's my belief after a big bear market, but really it's been going on for 18 months. It's, it's, it's this year for the big cap stocks, but last year for everything else. So it's a long bear market with a lot of risk in the, in the market. I think at this stage, what we've been doing on our virtual hedge fund desk is we're building a foundation of indexes and group ETFs. We're still capturing a lot of upside, but the stage where I want to own individual stocks is later. So coming off of a bottom, I want to reduce my risk, but still capture, and let's be honest, I own triple the S&P. So that's not really reducing risk. But what I am doing is getting rid of individual stock risk. I want growth stock type returns by owning triple the S&P. But I don't want to worry about, you know, buying the wrong name that announces earnings that drops 30%. So we're in a treacherous market right now. If you remember, the flip side of this is 2020, when companies would announce earnings, and they would, like, go up 20, 30, 40% the next morning on a regular basis. You remember that? I don't know if anybody can remember that. That's the market where I want a whole bunch of individual stocks in my portfolio. But in this market... The risk of a 20 to 30% collapse in the stock on a bad number is too great for me. I don't need it right now. So I want to build the foundation of indexes and group ETFs. Get that trade right. Make money on the bigger picture opinion of directions of markets and groups that I want to focus in. Biotech, innovation, cannabis, precious metals. I want the ETFs. I make money on that. Let's say we, we get to the end of the year, we've made money on those names, right? At some point off of this move, there'll be a consolidation. So the market, this is, you know, this is my experience on how markets unfold, okay? You'll get that surge higher. You'll get that surge higher 
off of the base on the first move out of a risk monitor green signal. If it's the start of something bigger, that first move will pop, then you'll have a consolidation of some kind. The C could be a high type pennant. It could be um, all different types of patterns, right? And the next breakout, which we would call the second stage base, that's when I'm buying individual names. So the market pops, I'm going to book some profits off the top, hold some cash, watch what happens as it consolidates. The next breakout, that cash will go into individual names. And that's when I would buy individual gold and silver stocks. Right now, I just want to get the right side of the trade, which is I think these things are bottoming, and I'm buying SILJ and GBX. Then I'll move on. Now, you know, those of you who are uh, part of the virtual hedge fund with us know that we have Armor Insiders <clears throat> who share their own research, their own information. Silver Fox is one of them. He happens to also be my dad, okay? We've been working together my whole life. Um, <clears throat> he loves to share the individual gold and silver stocks he's buying right now based on his research, right? So we've got a curated list of individual names we like and the reasons why that are on the desk right now. But for the purposes of the armor report and what I'm doing, I'm putting capital in the ETFs. <clears throat> That's a great question. At some point it's time for MO. And I, I gotta figure Constellation Brands is not gonna be in this cannabis game all by itself. And so um, at some point, I would expect, and I could be wrong here, but I would expect, this is not a reason to buy Altria, but I'm just saying at some point, STARS is not going to be in the game all by themselves. And we're going to start to see either the tobacco companies or other alcohol companies starting to put capital to work in the cannabis space. That's just a, an aside. Anyway, um, there's the double bottom, and, and certainly it's, it's trying to recover after the collapse based on a couple of negative announcements and whatnot. I don't know, Eris. I mean, um, right now I'm not putting together my dividend portfolio. Um, my dividend portfolio is literally 100% one-year treasury notes at a 4.5% yield. I'm done right now, my dividend portfolio. I'm not willing to take that risk right now. I'm taking a lot of risk in the rest of my portfolios. And that dividend money I'm just going to leave in treasury notes right now and just collect some yield. It kind of plays into my conversation of build a foundation, make some money, then start putting money into individual names. So if I start putting capital back into dividend stocks, Altria is going to be one of them. AT&T would be one of them. You know, IBM would be one of them, but I'm just not ready to put money there right now. It does make me think. 8% makes me think. There's no doubt. But I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't love that pattern, though. I don't, I don't love the pattern right now. But, but I, mean, it's not, I mean, it looks like the market, I guess. It looks like the market. Broke out above the 50, pulled back. I mean, it, it looks pretty good. It looks interesting. You know, IBM looks interesting. Look, IBM is ripping. But yet it hasn't even broken out yet. I mean, I, IBM is just, you know, there's the base. And it's just, it blew down out of the base and it's recovered back into it. 
Yeah, eight percent dividend. All right. Um, listen, y'all. I hope you found this helpful. I appreciate your time with me. If you have any other questions, shout out real quick. But we're going to uh, wrap this up a little bit early today, and I'm going to try to do this every weekend. Just a couple topics. Get to your questions, and then I'll see all of you Monday morning at eight thirty on the virtual desk, and we'll start trading again. Um, my final thought is we've got our position on now and what we're going to be talking about, you know, Monday, Tuesday into Wednesday on our virtual hedge fund desk is how to hedge the Fed meeting. Because, you know, I'm max long right now. I have VIX overnight to hedge insanity, but then the VIX comes off. And I don't think VIX is going to answer the way I need it to if the Fed is hawkish. So what I need to figure out is how to reduce that exposure going into the news and then release the exposure again after the news based on you know what comes out and how it behaves. So we'll go over that. Um, we'll start talking about that Monday, figure out how we want to execute correctly. All right? Guys, thanks for your time today. I appreciate you all. Have a wonderful weekend, and I will um, I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>